The beginning of the good news. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Like a river in the wilderness, hear the good news. Here is the good news. He is the good news. In our wandering, the wilderness, look and see. This is proclamation of Servant King. When hope is lost, there is suffering servant. There is a savior. This is the Messiah, the Servant King. When the world mocks and scorns, we proclaim the suffering savior. This is our confession the servant king. Well, good morning. Uh, and congratulations to our graduating seniors. Uh, that's phenomenal. Awesome, awesome. As always, incredible group. Hope you're doing well today. Um, if you would, take your Bibles as we continue in, in the Gospel of Mark. We're going to catch them back up to where we uh, once left off back before Easter in, in Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, and we'll begin in, be beginning in verse 21 this morning. Uh, you know, f- for as, uh, as long as I can remember, um, I, uh, I, I sang in church choirs. I grew up in church. I know not everybody grew up in church, but I, I did have the privilege of growing up in church. And, and uh, we had age-graded choirs. And so from the time that I was about, I don't know, six, seven years old or so, I, I was singing in, in the church choirs. Actually, all the way up through my senior year in high school, I continued to sing it in our church choirs and, and even sang it in our high school choir. And, uh, and when I arrived at my senior year, I'd, I'd been playing basketball and baseball, but I, I decided it would be more fun to play church ball uh, instead of school ball. It probably had something to do with the fact that I realized I was not going to get much playing time <laughs> that year. And uh, so all of a sudden that, that freed up uh, the afternoons uh, during the school year for the, the rest of the winter and the spring. And, uh, and a few buddies of mine and I decided it might be kind of fun to, uh, to try out for the high school musical. We were doing South Pacific that year. And, uh, and, and lo and behold, um, uh, <laughs> it was just kind of on a lark, but lo and behold, I, I got the lead. And uh, you have to take that in faith, all right? Uh, some enchanted evening, right? Anyway, um, uh, so, so well, yeah, right. But when I went off to, uh, hang on, hold on. Uh, when, <laughs> when I went off to, to school that fall, I, uh, I started thinking, well, yeah, it's been, it's been fun singing in these choirs all these years and that sort of thing. And I thought, it might, it might be kind of fun to sing in the college choir. And so I signed up for an audition. Now, the director of that college choir, I, I found out later, was a man who, who was famous in choral circles. His name was Lloyd Fouch, Dr. Lloyd Fouch. I didn't know much about him at that point. So I signed up for an audition, and, uh, and as I walked over to, 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 walk, to go into my audition, I was, I was thinking, you know, uh, any, any director would, 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 would appreciate the fact that I'd be willing to, to take my talents, you know, to, to their choir, right? <laughs> and um, uh, so I was feeling like pretty hot stuff, you know, when, when I walked into this, uh, this audition. And, and he, he was very gracious, and he was asking me different questions, finding out a little bit about my, my choral history. And, and when I told him that I, I had grown up uh, singing in church choirs all the time, he said, well, why don't you sing this for me? And he, he took a hymnal, and he opened it up to a hymn that I had sung, 
dozens and dozens and dozens of times, or maybe hundreds of times throughout my lifetime at that point, uh, which was only about 18 years at that point. And um, it was called Holy, Holy, Holy. And so he took the handle, hymnal and he handed it to me, and he said, now, if, if you would, please sing that for me. The bass line. <laughs> now, I, I, uh, I sang in choirs all those years, but I, I, I never learned to read music, okay? I could follow the bouncing ball a little bit, but, but always needed somebody to, you know, hammer out, to, to pick out the notes on a piano uh, in order to be able to learn my part. So he handed me the hymnal, and he said, sing the bass part, a cappella, as in no accompaniment, along. So... <laughs> This, this is, so here I was, you know, the hymnal, Dr. Lloyd Fouch and Mr. Hot stuff, right? So, um, uh, so this, to this day, this is pretty much how that audition went. Uh, acapella. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning, uh, uh, our song shall rise to thee. <laughs> so, so, uh, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and uh, the famous Dr. Lloyd Fouch just, you know, smiled and, and very graciously said, well, thank you for coming in today. Uh, the results of the auditions will be posted tomorrow. And uh, I don't know why I did, but, but I actually did go over to, to see if I made it. And, uh, <laughs> and I didn't. I did not. <laughs> uh, it, it, but it, again, the way I had learned music, if you would, was if, if somebody would just pick out those notes on the piano for me, I, I could have sung. If somebody had done that day in the audition, I, I could have sung that bass part if someone had picked out those notes for me on the piano. I learned, I discovered that even though I had a general sense of how the hymn went, that picking out those individual notes all on my own was a little bit difficult. <laughs> well, when it comes to reading the parables of Jesus... They can sometimes be just like that. We might have a general sense of what he means in these parables, but yet it's, it's a struggle to be able to pick out the, the individual notes. Now, I don't know about you, but I find great encouragement to know that the first followers of Jesus struggled in that way as well. That's why Mark tells us at the end of this passage in verses 33 and 34 of Mark 4, with many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. <clears throat> he did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. In other words, Jesus played out all the individual notes for them so that they can understand. He explained it to them. Well, with the help of the Holy Spirit today, who is our guide into all truth, as Jesus taught in John chapter 16, we are going to look at some of the individual notes within these four parables. So start with me, beginning in verse 21, the first one. He said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, 
let them hear. Now what, or I should probably rather say who, is the lamp? It's Jesus. Jesus is the lamp. John chapter 8, verse 15, uh, uh, verse 12, I'm sorry, Jesus said, I am what? I am the light of the world. The Gospel of John opens, John writes, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it, has not comprehended it. Now, so in this parable, what Jesus is speaking about, the, the notes that he is playing for his disciples, is, the reveal, is God's plan for revealing his kingdom. Now remember the, the expectation for most all of the people at that point of, of what the Messiah was going to be like would have been a political uh, military type individual who would overthrow Roman rule and establish his own kingdom on this earth. <clears throat> they were not looking for who Jesus really is. At that point, now when he comes back, it's going to be a different story. But ready or not, looking or not, the light, the lamp, had come into the world. He had come, he brought God's kingdom near. It had come, it had arrived. Now, contained in that first parable really is both a promise and a warning. Now, notice Jesus is saying, just as you don't bring a lamp into a dark place and hide it, God does not intend to hide the light of Christ either. After Christ's death and resurrection, more people would begin to understand, but still so many more not. Ultimately, ultimately, it, will be until, it won't be until that day when Jesus comes back, when Jesus comes again, that he will be totally and completely revealed to all. What did the Apostle Paul say in Philippians? He said, every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess, what? That Jesus Christ is Lord. Well, that's the promise. Jesus, when he returns to this earth, he is going to be completely revealed, a, a, a gradual revelation until the ultimate revelation of his messianic power and glory. That's the promise. But then the warning in verse 23, again, what did he say? If anyone has ears to hear, we've looked at him making this statement back related to the parable of the sower just prior to this. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. He's saying, listen up now. Listen up now. You know, don't wait until it has to be revealed to you the hard way. Listen now. Pay attention now. You need to know this now. The sooner, the better. Because his kingdom is coming. It is coming. He wants you to be a part of it. Again, don't wait until, if you wait as long as the second coming, when that arrives, when everything will be totally revealed and made clear, it's going to be too late then at that point. Well, to that warning, Jesus adds another note, if you will, with the next parable, verse 24. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Now, Jesus is saying that those who hear and respond with faith to him are going to gain so much, so much right now, right now, in this life, right now. Not to mention the rewards that they will, they'll be double winners. Not to mention the rewards that they will gain when they enter into his presence and eternity. Those who refuse, those who don't believe, will be, in essence, double losers. They'll lose all that they could have had in a personal relationship and walk with him in this earth, on this earth, and they will ultimately lose big time when it comes to judgment day as well. That's the warning. Well, in this next parable, really these next 
pair of parables. We're going to look at them together. Um, Jesus returns to that familiar picture that would have been so familiar to the people in, in that culture of the farmer. He begins in verse 26. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when, it is, when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such branches that the birds can perch in its shade. You know, isn't it, it, it amazing to watch things grow? Look, look, at this, uh, look at this picture that we're going we're gonna to put on the screens here. You know, phenomenal. We, you know, we take this seed, this dead-looking thing, and you put it in the ground, and you have no idea what's happening to it. I mean, you can see all the amazing, I mean, most of the growth that's happening there is where you can't even see it taking place, right? Until all of a sudden, then you begin to see a sprout. Then you begin to see a stalk. In this case, it's a bean plant. So the, the, the grain would be a, a bean that begins to appear. It, it, it's ama- the, the whole process. And, and again, all the, so much of the growth that's taking place, you can't even, it can't even be seen. But Jesus says, like the farmer is faithful to plant the seed but has no idea how the growth happens, so we are to be faithful in the planting of his kingdom seed in this corner of God's kingdom in our world. So what's the note that Jesus wants us to hear with this parable? What's the particular note? I think it's this. When you plant God's kingdom seed, just as with a seed in the ground, you can't see all that's happening with that seed that you've planted, be assured, even though you can't see the results of what you thought might happen as you plant that seed, be assured that God is at work. And that growth is happening. Don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. Have you ever, have you ever faithfully planted a kingdom seed of some kind and, and, and it basically just kind of sort of like the farmer that went away and, and sort of forgot about what, what he had planted? You kind of almost even forgot what had happened, what the, the seed that you had planted. Maybe you, didn't, maybe you planted a seed and didn't even realize it, only to find out later to be surprised by what God did with it. Has that ever happened to you? Ever experienced that before? If, if, if we will be faithful about planting those seeds, that's what God will do. Plant some simple seeds alongside other kingdom workers. Again, here's the thing. We, we, ca- we cannot see all that God is doing. And then, but then all of a sudden, again, that sprout begins to appear. And then the stalk, and again, and then the grain in the process. Again, do not be discouraged. Whenever you're tempted to be discouraged, remember this parable. You can't see what's happening, but God is at work. It's one of the great mysteries of his kingdom. He is at work even though you cannot see it. Keep on planting those kingdom seeds. Friends, the kingdom of God should be a big part of the vision of our lives. A big part of the vision of our lives. 
He wants us to be, and he wants us to join him in his kingdom work. And I, I've I got to confess, as I was preparing for this message, it, I, was, I was deeply convicted at how often I go through my, the, just the routine of, of daily life with a, a total lack of awareness of what God may want to do in, in wanting me to plant seeds and what he might be up to in the process. I, I, early in the week, I, I had, uh, had gone to Walgreens you know, to pick up a can of soup for lunch real quick, what I thought was going to be real quick. If you haven't noticed, at least the Walgreens that I tend to go to it, uh, have the slowest checkout lines in America. And, and on this particular day, um, a huge, long line there to check out. And, and there was this, I'm sure, very precious little lady that was at the front of the line who had this enormous purse and was digging, I finally figured out, digging down in, looking around in her purse, trying to find her coupons, <laughs> which ultimately did not match the coupons that they had for that week <laughs> either. And, and, and the checker was just chatting up a storm. I mean, just enjoying the, the conversation with her while, you know, while all of us are, are you're back there waiting in the line. What, what in the world is going on? And, uh, and, and then finally, you know, one of the other employees came out and, and opened up the other line, and, and things, things moved on fairly well. But you know what? I, I didn't even think about praying for this little lady. I didn't think about praying for the checker. I didn't think about praying for anybody else in line or, or just trying to speak a, a, you know, plant a seed, trying to speak a word of encouragement. I didn't think about praying for any of the other employees, again, who, who finally showed up to open the other line. I was totally oblivious throughout that experience to any kingdom opportunity that God may have been providing for me to partner with him at Walgreens. So I got out of there with my can of soup. I came back to my desk and started working on my sermon for how to partner with God in the kingdom. <laughs> As God's children, we should never, ever get over the fact that God loves us and cares for us even to the extent that he can't wait for us to get up in the morning so that we can join him in partnership with his kingdom work. He invites us to be his partners, to be about the process of planting kingdom seeds. In other words, I, I need to wake up every morning and just simply ask, God, how can you use me today? God, I, I want to be on mission with you. I want to be your partner today. Give me eyes that will be open, eyes that will be willing to see and ready to see where you want to be at work, where you are at work. Well, the last parable here is, is the parable of that mustard seed. A very tiny seed that, that produces a huge plant. A huge plant. Again, a plant large enough, Jesus said in the story, that the branches were big enough for the birds to perch upon. It's actually an eschatological reference here to the book of Ezekiel, book of Daniel. We don't have time to go in there this morning, but I encourage you to, in your personal study to take a look at that. It's very, very exciting. Very, very exciting. The note that I think Jesus would want us to hear in this story is this. Don't ever underestimate... Don't ever underestimate what God will do with just the tiniest of kingdom seeds that you plant. 
what he will do with just the tiniest kingdom seed that you'll plant. I want you to watch a, a video, and some of you may have seen this before, but this is a, a video illustration of the spread of the major religions around the world. It begins with Hinduism back in, the, in, the, in 3000 BC and then goes forward from there. But, and, and as you watch it, I want you to particularly watch for and take note of the words that come up on the screen when Christianity begins. All right? Let's watch. Notice the words that came up on the screen when Christianity began. What did it say? It said, Jesus Christ is crucified. Jesus Christ, the first seed of the kingdom of God, crucified and buried in the ground. And what did God do with that dead seed? It's called the resurrection. <laughs> That's what that should have said. Jesus rose from the dead. That is when Christianity began. That's when Christianity was born. From one small seed of the person of Jesus Christ came the march of the kingdom of God. 
Now, how are kingdoms normally built? Kingdoms are normally built by, by what? Great force and great physical power, right? In fact, you, you notice the, the spread of Islam. Did you get a little concerned when you saw all the green popping up there around there? When, when the, the, the spread of Islam is addressed, you know how it's typically addressed? It's addressed in terms of military conquests. When the spread of Christianity is explained, it's explained in terms of kingdom seeds being planted, new communities springing up, the feeding of the poor, taking care of the ill, inexplicable love, kingdom seeds being faithfully planted. In fact, you may not realize this, but right now, quietly surging right in the heart of Islam, some estimate that there are over three and a half to four million Christians on the Arabian Peninsula alone. It's a well-kept secret for reasons I'm sure you can imagine. Our greatest need today is not for military power. It's not for political power. Our greatest need is for spiritual power, spiritual power. The power through the planting of kingdom seeds that change, changes hearts. The revolution of Jesus Christ was not a physical, political revolution. It was a revolution that takes place in people's hearts. Are you ready to join him? Are you ready to partner with him in planting kingdom seeds in this corner of his kingdom? Are you ready to join with him in that? God is at work, even if you can't see it. Be encouraged. And the kingdom seed that you plant, again, may seem small to you, but God can take that little seed and make something enormous from it. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that, that you, are, are, you are always at work in your kingdom. You're always at work in this world around us. Our prayer this morning is that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done in our community, in our city, in our state, in our world. Lord, we ask that you would find us as your people to be faithful to, to join you in kingdom seed planting work. We are overwhelmed when we stop to think about it, that, that you desire to partner personally and individually with us. Lord, please find us to be faithful partners. Lord, let us not be discouraged when we don't see the kind of results that we'd like to see, but to be confident that you are, are still at work. Let us be confident that just the smallest seed, when it's the seed of your kingdom, can bring forth 
big, big results. Lord, we thank you and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.